Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey y'all, I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Showed in. Because we're about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. Hey, y'all. This is April. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. This is Caroline. <laughs> it's Thursday for you guys, but we're recording on a Sunday. Um, Really, just a couple days after we were just recording last Thursday. Yeah. It's only been a couple days. We have so much to catch you up on. So much. Oh, we my gosh. We hope you're thirsty. Yeah, get your drinks. It's bloody happy hour time. We're going to tell you a story about a crazy mama, but first, we got to tell you... We officially became famous last night. Actually, Thursday started it. Yes. And then last night solidified it. So Thursday you had your niece's uh-huh. benefit. Yeah, we had a little fundraiser. Shout out to Salty Dog here in Waco. They did a little fundraiser for my niece who's um, like in a heart failure right now. She's three years old. So we went there right after we recorded uh the what do we record the heart family the heart family um and then had ate and had some drinks and um caroline did you get a little confused okay so uh april was like oh i need i need you to meet my dad and i was like okay and she turns turns to this table and it's a bunch of white people and i was like they're not just like brown or you know light they're white (laughs) and i was like Mm, I'm really confused. And she's like, oh, well, my real dad, he's actually in hospice right now. And I was like, wait, what? What? And then you said you're, I don't know. I can't, I don't know who your family is. It's, I don't know. I didn't know. She's actually been told a bunch of times, but you see on our table, we have some (laughs) ginkgo, ginkgo biloba. Ginkgo biloba. Biloba. Because she her memory's shit. I finally purchased some, so I feel like I'm doing better on my memory for the past yeah. few days. I, my family's just very multiracial, and so she was confused because I had a. I was like, "Oh, here's a, here's my brother, but he was white, and 
I just have every race in my family. Every, what's, what's wrong every, with, yeah, what's wrong I know. I just, I couldn't figure it out. Which, <laughs> who was your brother? Who was your other brother? And then I met another brother. Yeah. Who, the other last night, I did. I've never seen this guy. So then we had a party last night. We went to Cinco de Mayo party yep. at Cheryl's. Shout out to Cheryl. Shout out. And we were famous again. We really were. Like, if Joanna Gaines would have came to that party, nobody would have cared because we were there. <laughs> Clearly. So the best part was I was in the kitchen oh. talking to somebody. Um, just a, just conversation. We are talking about work and school. And then I guess somebody heard my voice. She went outside and she said, Caroline. I just heard April talking. Is April in the kitchen? And so she came in and she was like, I'm such a fan of Bloody Happy Hour. Made my day. And then Carol, then the girl that I was talking to was like, no way. Bloody Happy Hour. And she almost passed out, y'all. She did. Like my husband I think she was like, like ran away for a second. <laughs> she was speechless. She was speechless. And my husband was like, don't give my wife a big head. <laughs> anyways we felt real famous last night yeah and you know this is how confident i was afterwards so i got home <laughs> i just kind of told april this story but listen i got home and i was like oh i'm gonna take my dogs for a walk it's like 11 30 mm -hmm. why would i not so i take them for a walk and we're like getting back to the house and there's these people outside and they were like going into their house they're like two houses down from me and they stop and they talk to me and about the dogs. And then apparently the guy lives there with his brother. So I was like, oh, he's not married. He is really cute. Oh, my gosh. And so he said that my, one of my dogs like chased him on his bicycle. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I go back home and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I really think that guy is cute. I really should have said something like, hey, you want to holler? No, but I decided I was going to write a note. <laughs> And this note, April, <laughs> where'd you put the note? I wrote on this note and I went back and I went to put it in his mailbox. So I woke up this morning and I was like, I think it's a federal offense. I saw a little like um, other pieces of paper with writing on it. Like I had tried to write it on a couple of the different <laughs> practice. I practiced. I even, oh my gosh, I even had, there was like a piece of a cardboard box that I was going to try to, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> So I went and I took that letter out of the mailbox this morning. <laughs> and let me tell you, I was doing the most because this little piece of paper was a tiny envelope. And on the front side, I wrote like, hey, Ross, this is your neighbor, Caroline. And I put an arrow and I said, turn over. <laughs> like, She's in fifth grade. <laughs> like, turn over the note. And then on the other side, I was like. I live at, and I put my address, because I literally have two houses down. She has not like, learned anything. GPS on there. And I was like, if you're interested in talking, call me. And I put my phone number. <laughs> it was so scribbly. You cannot even breathe this thing. It was so terrible. And it was bright red. It was a bright red envelope. <laughs> How do you have that? You don't, don't even know what stamps no, are. Oh, I don't. <laughs> well, a good thing I didn't need a stamp because it was personally delivered. <laughs> so 
so she and I said, okay, so he's probably got you on ring, going <laughs> to the mailbox at midnight, putting something in there, sketchy, and then coming the next morning and getting something out. We're gonna you're gonna see it on the neighborhood page. Listen, I was really feeling myself. I was thinking them. I was doing the most, and I was really trying to just step outside the box, and it was a terrible way to do it I i'm so glad it. i found it i'm so glad i recovered the letter <laughs> and nobody had to see it <laughs> they would I, probably called to paul and been like this crazy bitch i need to <laughs> i just want to know glad i wasn't ch- in my mexican dress your, oh you, what want do you call your, it your senorita dress uh, my senorita dress <laughs> i'm so glad i had changed out of that because they definitely would have tried to call somebody on me y'all she put her address and phone number <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know that made what. my sunday oh my gosh made my sunday oh my god is there anything big in the news you need to cover before no we jump just into the, this crazy- i just know the daybell lori daybell and chad daybell that trial is supposed to start in october mm. she is now competent to, ten- to stand trial good 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 officially needs to happen and we will we need to cover she would this would have been a good month to cover her but yeah. we should wait till it's like all done and she gets her sentencing so it feels closed. Oh, we yeah. I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> it better be on TV. I'm sure it will. I don't understand I gotta, what <clears throat> Well, this is going to come out. Uh, it's going to be a couple weeks after that. But I'm still I, back on Johnny Depp and Amber Heard this week. Here we go. <laughs> She's obsessed. Um, I don't have... Anything to offer? Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Today's actually May 1st, and it's actually Bereavement Mother's Day. So all those mamas that lost their kiddos, extra special love for you on today. And Oh, let, I got, let's read this one message. Oh, she got a great email. We got an uh, Instagram message from Olivia. And she said, hi, I'm a new listener to the podcast this week. I found you guys on accident when I was looking for more info on the fat shaming cult. (laughs) Gwen Chamberlain. That was Gwen, yeah. Uh, Which, by the way, that second part of the Gwen Chamberlain story is out now on HBO. Um, She said, I love true crime podcasts, but I don't usually listen to the pods that cover a different case every episode. But I love you both. You girls are so funny. And I love that you joke around and can keep it real and even curse sometimes. My aunt is from Texas, and April's voice reminds me of my aunt so much. I'm a Okie. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So I appreciate the Southern girls that you are. I'm not usually the type of person to reach out or leave reviews, but I just wanted to let y'all know that I'm a new listener. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll keep tuning in. Yay. Thanks, Thanks Olivia. Olivia. Oh, does your aunt have horrible allergies or something? Maybe. If she lives in Texas. I mean, If she lives in Texas, she must sound like... She has horrible allergies and a smoker like I do. Well, I am ready. So we're drinking leftover last night <laughs> stuff. Everything. We got a little bit of White Claw. I have grapefruit and she's got mm, raspberry or something. Black cherry. Oh, was it? Oh, it's raspberry. Oh, okay. I, I thought I like saved grape. the black cherry for you. I do like the black cherry. <laughs> I hate it. And then we have some 19 Crime Snoop Dogg. Red wine. red wine. Always drink red wine on Sundays. And today was first Sunday, so it was communion Sunday. I'm not Catholic, but like where you take the mm-hmm. whatever. Well, Catholics take that every every time. Every 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 church. Mm-hmm. 
Every Sunday? Yeah. The bread and the and the wine? And Communion. it's real wine too, right? Commun- I've actually never drank it. Oh. Because you don't have to. Oh, okay. But like you have to take the communion if you can. I, unless, well, if you're old enough to take it, then you take it. Uh-huh. And if you're not going through a divorce, you can take it. <laughs> <laughs> the rules, the rules. It's like, because I remember at one point when I was younger and my mom wouldn't be able to go up there. And I was like, well, I wonder why she could go up there and take it. And I could go up there because mm-hmm. I was like, I already had my first comedian. And then it was like something with, because you were going through divorce. going through your divorce. Or it was like you were, it, I don't know. I guess it wasn't final. I don't know. In the eyes of the church. I don't know what's going on in the eyes of the church. Yeah. In the eyes of the church. You have to like, it's weird. Like you report it. Yeah, I guess. Cause like they keep track. I don't know. They don't recognize it as a marriage if it's not in the Catholic church. And then maybe if you get, I don't know. Well, so um, if you know, let me know. I know for us, like if you're not baptized, you don't take it, but we only do it on like the first Sunday of the month of the month. Yeah. Um, but if you're not baptized, you don't take it. You don't take it until you're baptized. Oh, see, Catholics get baptized when you're zero. Yeah. But you get to take it after your first communion, which is like a third grade. Okay. I don't know what's right. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Okay. So there's your church lesson. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> a little bit of Catholicism, a little bit of Baptist. Okay. Let me tell Praise you about God. This. <laughs> I watched the Glen. I watched it. <laughs> Let me tell you about this crazy bitch named Susan. Oh, hell. Here we go. She was known as the most hated mom. Oh, yeah. Yes. Susan I, Smith. Yes. Susan most hated Smith. mom in America. We're going to Union, South Carolina. Now, did this happen before or after dying down? So I don't think about know. it. I don't know. Okay. This was in 94. I don't remember when. I haven't looked into Dying Downs. I can't even remember when Yates happened. So I don't know which one was before oh, or after. Oh, Top and, Mom of the... No, that's not. Top Mom is Kathy, Casey Anthony. No. Kathy Anthony. <clears throat> Kathy Anthony. Yates is who drowned her five yeah. kids. Um, she refused to get out of jail, right? I think. Refused to get out of jail? She probably was able to be taken out, but she said, no, I don't oh, want yeah, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. She keeps uh, <laughs> or, or something. denying her own parole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me tell you what happened in October of 94. What made Susan Smith drive her two sons into a lake? So let me just only tell you a little bit about Susan's childhood. I'm just going to hit the parts that I think maybe kind of contribute to later on. So she was born in 71 in Union, South Carolina. Her childhood was a bit like crazy. Dad was very abusive. He was an alcoholic. He was had bouts of depression in and out. Um, and so he kind of made their life a little hell. Um, after about 17 years of dealing with it, mom finally def- decided to divorce him. And uh, uh, Susan was only like five or six years old. Okay, mm-hmm. so she dealt with it, but I guess when she had a kid, she was like, I'm not going to put my kid through this. Okay. So she divorced him, and then about a year later, 
Susan's dad committed suicide. He grabbed a shotgun, shot himself in the stomach. He didn't die. He called 911 himself, but he later died at the hospital. Susan never knew, like, what happened to him until way later on. They always told him that he was cleaning a gun and it accidentally went off. By So, you know, when you have a a parent that dies by suicide, you're more likely to attempt suicide in life. Did you know that? No. So, at 13 years old, she attempted suicide, um, but they think it was just like a cry for help. Yeah. After her dad died, she was like... Not very social. She was unhappy. She would sometimes stare into space. It messed her up a little bit. At eight, So right after her dad died, too, her mom got remarried to a guy named Beverly Russell. Yes, his name is Beverly. And he was like a prominent man in the community. He was like part of the Republican politician party. He was very Christian. And so now she's living Linda... Susan's mom is living like this good life with like these a people when she used to be a C people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but at 15, her stepdad, Beverly sexually assaulted her. Oh gosh. Yes. And gosh, Susan wasn't sure how to take it. So she told her counselor counselor reported it to what would be like our CPS. She also told her mom and Beverly, the stepdad, did not deny it at all. He was like, "It." I felt such, so much like a pervert after this that I'm so ashamed. Um, because <laughs> you, you are. <laughs> what? So Linda. I can't even call him Beverly. I know. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> Beverly. So Linda was, of course, kicked him out, made him go get counseling. So he did. Oh, okay. He got counseling. And, but Beverly missed her life. His life? His life. Her (laughs) life with him. And she didn't want his reputation to be tarnished. So they all went to family counseling. Great. And he was healed. Oh, wow. So Linda let him move back in. And now they're just one big happy family. Wow, that's a beautiful story. So by the time... What's what's her name? Susan was 17. Susan and Beverly were having an ongoing consensual (gasps) relationship, sexual affair, whatever. If you can even call it that because she's 17 and he's like decades and decades older. And it's been her stepdad since she was seven. Uh 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 She actually confided in her therapist that she did this because she was jealous of the attention that he showed her mom and not her. So okay. she would go get a boyfriend. Please. <laughs> so by 1988, so she's a junior in high school, mm-hmm. she has an ongoing sexual affair with three different men. Oh. She... Is a hoe for show. She is so thirsty. <laughs> She's she, setting thirst traps left and right. Two of them are co-workers at the Winn-Dixie that she worked at. And then and one was married, one was not married, and then the other one was stepdaddy Beverly. Oh, my God. <laughs> and what happens when you screw a bunch of people? Uh, well, you probably get pregnant. 
And she did. Okay. But she does not know who the daddy is. She does not. So she has an abortion. Mm. Well, the unmet, unmarried guy finds out that she's pregnant and like he's like done with her. Right. The married guy finds out that she's pregnant and she had an abortion. So he breaks it off with her. So she's just stuck with Beverly and she is very depressed and lonely and will find that she can't deal with being alone very well. So she takes a concoction of aspirin, Tylenol, and I think some type of alcohol to attempt suicide. But it doesn't happen. Aspirin and Tylenol? Yes, you cannot. Really? So they were like, this bitch is like, just a cry for help. She wants some attention. She was trying to make these guys come back to her is what I think. Oh my gosh. Too bad it didn't work. Didn't work. But she graduated high school in 1989. She was still working at Winn-Dixie. Like, she was just dedicated to this grocery store. Yeah, she loves it. And she met a guy named David there. Wow. Well, David, like, came from a very, I mean, not Baptist, um, who goes to church on Saturdays? Jehovah's Witness family, and he had just left his family, so he got this newfound freedom. He had left the church, left his mama, lived with his grandma, so he had this freedom. And he had a girlfriend, but he liked Susan, so he left his girlfriend for Susan. And they started dating really quick, had sex really quick, and she got pregnant really quick, only after months of being together. Okay. So what's the answer when you get pregnant? Um, well, what's her answer? Is to get married. Yeah. So that was their answer. Or to have an abortion. She had this baby. So she, yeah, she didn't have an abortion this time because now she knew who the daddy was. Okay, yeah. And this is probably her way of, well, maybe I can secure his ass. Yeah. So they decide to get married and they have little Michael and he was born in 1991. They were actually very excited about this baby. Both of them were. Um, and welcomed him in and they were living with his grandma at the time. But, you know, you're 19 and you got a baby and life is stressful. It's stressful being a mom and y'all work at Winn-Dixie. So there's money problems and it's, you know, life's just not that great. No. And where's Beverly? I mean, he's not in your life anymore. Different people. Did she go leave letters in anybody's mailbox? And no (laughs) okay so that's just me i just want to make sure i'm on my own level anybody else out there if you've ever put a letter in somebody's mailbox let us know caroline don't want to be the only one i mean i put a letter in somebody's locker before i mean maybe i was channeling my inner like high school school, kid or high school junior high kid junior high kid that's so funny i need to adjust you know, the last podcast, there was, all, did you hear all the bump, like the popping and bumping? I'm doing something when I talk that makes the whole thing. Maybe it's like hitting my boob. Was it me that were, it was, it was me. you? Yeah. It was every time I talk and it would like, I don't know. Pay attention. It was the Missy Beavers episode. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, unless you hit it. But I, I'm, I don't think I am. Maybe it's my sweat dripping off and hitting the microphone. Probably. <laughs> little hot okay so they go back and forth go back and forth and they separate for a little bit but while they're separating and dating again she gets pregnant oh no so the answer this time is to get back together and buy a house wow okay people think that having a kid 
getting married and having a kid or buying a house is just going to fix everything. Yes. But, you know, of course it doesn't. Mm-mm. Little Alexander was born in 1993. She had, they had the cutest kids. And then right after that, David moved out because he was like, this, it's not going to work out. He knew she was crazy. Yes. They failed as a couple, but they were actually amazing parents. Okay. Um, and they co-parented very well and everybody all around them like agreed, agreed and co-signed on that. Like they were good parents. Mm. Susan now is a single parent. She's working at Winn-Dixie, so she's struggling financially, and she does not like to be alone. So people encourage her, go find a job. Go find a better job, a better job. Maybe you'll feel better. Yeah. So she does, and she gets a job at an interior design company. And this was like a new chapter for her. For sure. more money. There's more guys that she could sleep with. More guys she could sleep with. And it was a new chapter in her life. There was so much potential. So much potential. Mm-hmm. And there she meets a guy named... Knew she gets it. along with everybody there. But especially this guy named Tom Finley. Wow. Tom happened to be the CEO of the company's son. So he's the heir, oh, basically, yeah. to the company. So he was handsome. He was friendly. I'm sure he was married. Not married. Wow. <clears throat> older than her. She's 23 at the time. At this time, um, but he does ask her to go to lunch, and they do. And they kind of hit it off. So they go on a couple more lunch dates and dinner dates, and they're hanging out with coworkers at happy hours, and. Then they eventually consummate the relationship and they do the dirty. Mm-hmm. And that, so that was like January of 94. By March, they were broken up because Susan backdoors and goes back to David. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> David? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Susan, would she would say, it's the father of my child and I grew up without my father and I just want my kid to grow up with their father. And so they try it, and they they start sleeping together. They're dating. They're together all that summer of 94. But by August, they knew that they weren't going to be together. So they actually get a full divorce. Oh. Okay. She would have not been able to get communion this whole time. No. No communion Mm-mm. for Susan Smith. Mm-mm. So now she's actually getting a divorce. And, you know, it was hard for her and Tom because she was married and that was kind of like in the back of the head and their head. So now she divorced. She's divorced. And um, Susan spiraled because, again, she's alone. She's alone, except for she has her kids. So she she's gets, not alone, but she's alone. But to her, she is because she needs a man. Yeah, she, she needs, needs a man. some physical touch. She was depressed, she was lonely, and she was drinking a whole, whole lot. So she turns to somebody for comfort. Oh, gosh. Who is it? Beverly. Beverly. Oh, I knew it. She goes back to Beverly after a couple years of a hiatus. And now she's again sleeping with her stepdaddy. Yeah. I mean, that's her go-to. David finds out about this. Oh, gosh. to use it in divorce court. So... She's doing Beverly, and that kind of holds her over. But she knows it can't 
be like an ongoing thing with Beverly. I don't know why you've been doing it. For <laughs> Apparently it is. This <laughs> is actually your longest relationship. <laughs> so, so David knows about it. Does mama know about it? I don't. Mama probably knows. Know. They're probably doing it all. She writes a book called My Daughter Susan, I think. And Nobody wants to read your book. I did not. You know, Nobody and I'll read a book. To read your book I did not Susan. even attempt to read it because I was like, you know, you're the real shitty one behind all of this, too. Okay, so Susan's like, I want it to work with Tom. I want it to work with Tom. Now I'm divorced and it can work with Tom. So by September, so she's working like month by month, like it's happening quick. By September, her and Tom are back together. They're dating and she's hopeful. She's like, oh, I get to, you know, I'm going to be with Tom. He's going to be stepdaddy. We're going to, I'm going to live a new life. And they're going on dates. And in October, he invites her to a hot tub party at his dad's estate. Well, this hot hot tub party might have had some pineapples that were upside down. Oh, no. Because clothes start coming off. Uh So now it's a naked, what's it called when you're naked? Skinny dipping hot tub party. Like an orgy. Yeah, well, yeah, close. It doesn't go into detail, but Tom starts making out in the hot tub with some other girl. Uh Uh-oh. Susan gets jealous, so she grabs one of her coworkers' husband, and she starts fondling on him and making out with him because she wants to make Tom jealous because <clears throat> she's jealous. Tom oh. ain't worried about her right now. No, yeah, he's busy. Well, I'm pretty sure she does the dirty with this coworker's husband. Mm-hmm. Like, I... Uh, the party got down. Yeah. They got down at this party, right? Yeah. Well, when they got ready to leave, she was hoping Tom was going to be jealous, but Tom was actually disgusted with her. Which this pissed me off about Tom because it's okay for you. Yeah. But it's not okay for her. And then she immediately regretted it. <clears throat> so he dropped her off and. She was sick, like, that all the whole, whole next day. So she wrote him a letter, and that letter's out there if y'all want to find it. But it basically says, I've never felt this way before. I've never been about a man. You make me feel great when I'm with you. Blase, blase, we're going to have a great future, all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Tom, on the other hand, is figuring out how he could break it off with her mm-hmm. because he knows she's crazy. Mm-hmm. So Tom writes a letter, too. But his letter is real long and is basically saying, "Mm, let's be friends. We don't have a future. You grew up poor white trash. I came from money and college educated people. Our life is too different. It'll never work out. But it also said, I'm sure your kids are great, but it don't matter how great they are. I don't want no kids. I don't want no kids. I mean... I commend him for saying that truth. Yeah. Like, don't. I would be the same way. And then he says, if you want to ever get a nice guy, you need to be a nice girl. Nice girls don't sleep with married men. Damn. You should only settle for the best because I am. So, like, he was jabbing her the whole time yeah. during this letter, but she only heard one part. 
one line. No what kids. line do you think no that kids. is? No kids. So she was devastated. She read that letter over and over and over and over and over. She didn't hear the part that she was not good enough. Mm-mm. She was a hoe for show. Mm-mm. She was white trash. She was dysfunctional. She wasn't smart. She wouldn't hear any of that. All she heard was, I don't want got kids. kids and I don't want them. <laughs> so that Monday, she dropped her kids off at daycare. She went to work like a normal day, but she couldn't hold back her tears. People saw her despair on her face. She saw Tom it made her stomach sick. She could barely make eye contact. And somebody that day asked her what was wrong with her. And she said, I am in love with someone. Oh my God. And it can never be because of my kids. <clears throat> but love? So y'all screwed around for a couple months. Went on a couple dates. So like three months, Maybe. January, February, March, and then September. So four months, and she's in. He's in. She's in total love. And she's yeah, and she's she did not even. She slept with multiple people <laughs> while she's even been with him. Yes, including her stepdad. Including her stepdad. She's just trying to get some attention. Uh, it's it's crazy. So later that afternoon, <clears throat> she was leaving, and she stopped by Tom's office, and she was desperate, and she was like. I (laughs) she says she was trying to I guess she was trying to appeal to his emotions and she says David her ex is about to air out my dirty laundry my dirty laundry in court and he's going to take my kids away and he was like wait what are you talking about and she was like well you know I've I've had this affair with Beverly Russell, who is slash stepdad. (laughs) And then she confesses to having an affair with Tom's dad, which is her boss, who is the The CEO CEO of the company. So I don't know why she thought this was going to make Tom run to her eye and like run to her arms and say, oh, yes, let's be together. I don't know why she thought that. I don't know. She's obviously ill and she is doing the most. So Tom was like, bye, bitch. God, he he, this poor Tom. I feel bad for Tom. <laughs> so I, I don't understand why she thought this was going to help her situation. So he just went back to work and she called him a little bit later and she apologized and she says, oh, I just lied about it. I was just emotional and I, well, I'm not having an affair with your daddy, which she probably was. Um, and then she would wear his Auburn University sweatshirt oh all my. the time. Like she probably didn't even wash it. She probably just wore it all the time. All she time. offered to give him his sweatshirt back and he was like, I don't want it. Just keep it. I wouldn't either. He later said that he thought she was going to go kill herself because she was so distraught. And, you know, when people give away things that they like, that that's a sign of that they could go commit suicide or whatever. Oh. But then that's so big headed of you. Like, you think you're that great that somebody's just going to go commit suicide over you over four months? She must have been real crazy. She was real crazy. So <clears throat> she drove away. She picked up her kids. She was crying. 
And she never went home. They just drove around town, drove around town. And she was like, this is the day. She's attempted twice in her life. She's going to do it. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to do it. But then she said, but I don't want my kids to grow up without a mother. So I'm just going to take them with me. So she said she went to a nearby bridge and she was going to get both of her boys in her arms and they were going to jump together in their arms. And she was just going to off them all. Mm -hmm. But then Michael started crying in the back seat. So she got back in the van and she drove around until they fell asleep. And I guess during that time she changed her mind because plans change. Okay. And she came to John D. Long Lake. And John D. Long Lake has this big, long boat ramp that's just open. You can drive to. She drove down the boat ramp and stopped. Put her car in park, let the engine run, and just stared at the lake. And cried and cried. And stared at Tom's letter that was right there in the passenger seat next to her. She brought it everywhere with her. She brought that letter everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. She kept it on she her. did not leave home without that letter. Then she put the emergency brake on and she got out of the car. She looked back at her kids sleeping in their car seat, buckled up nice and tight. She released that emergency brake and she watched her shitty little Mazda protege <laughs> roll down the ramp into the water slowly. Three-year-old Michael and 14-month-old Alexander were quietly sleeping in their car seat in the back. All she did was look, and she put her hands over her ears to muffle the sounds of her boys crying. She stood back, and she watched until the car was submerged into the water and that she could no longer see the lights, her like the tail lights um, in her car. And then it was cold outside. She turned around and she was like, oh, it's cold. Like there was like air coming yeah. out of her mouth because she was like breathing or like the, what is it, that smoke, that fog, that whatever, ice air. She turned and she ran up the ramp and she was thinking up her lie of what she was going to tell people. What can my story be? What is going to be, what kind of story can I concoct that would be believable and be sad enough to make Tom come running back to me? Oh my God. So she gathered up some tears and she ran to the first house that she saw. But did she grab the letter or did she leave the letter in the car? <laughs> She left the letter in the car, I reckon. I don't know. I didn't read the book. I was trying to make this a quick episode. <laughs> It'd have been a four-parter if I read a book. Oh, no. I don't need four parts of Susan Smith. Uh-uh. So it's like 9 o'clock at night, and she's banging on the door these people's house. She didn't know them. And she's screaming, and she's crying, a stranger kidnapped my babies. So... They called 911 frantic. That's how you know not a lot goes on in this town because somebody's banging on your door and you just let them in and call. Yeah. I'd have been like, you stay out by the road yeah, and I'll I will call. call from here. Yeah. But because you, you just never know. It could have been like an ambush. 
Yeah. <clears throat> so they called. When the police came out, she told them that a black man forced his way into her car with a gun at a red light. That he held the gun to her head and forced her to drive to the lake. And then when they got to the lake, he forced her out of her car. And when she asked for her kids, and he said that he had no time but promised they would be okay. She said that she then fell to her knees and yelled, I love you, to the kids, to her kids. This is like what she's telling the police or whatever. So let's dissect this real quick. (laughs) You drive a Mazda protege. First of all, who's going to, if somebody's going to hijack a car, it's not going to be your Mazda protege. No. And black men don't even want their own kids. (laughs) You think they want your two little white kids? I know what she has to say as a black man. (laughs) Yes. And so they were talking about like the psychology. I was listening to one of the documentaries behind that. She knew that if she said a black man hijacked her and stole her car and kidnapped her kids, it would be more believable. It would, and she didn't even have to think long about it. Yeah. And they believed her. Yeah. Because there was all these sketches. These black men, black men get pulled over. And they believed her for a minute. And the people at the house, there's the headquarters. That's like police headquarters for a while, right? Uh So the police are there. She calls her mom and she calls Beverly and she tells them what's happening. And so they come. And then she calls David last. And David dropped everything because these are his, his kids. kids. These yeah. are his world. And he goes over there. She tells him that this man is 30 to 40 years old. She describes him. And um, within minutes, the police stations are reporting this all over the United States. Because, wow. you know, he could be going anywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> Everyone is looking for this black man with two little white kids and Mazda <laughs> protege that don't exist. <clears throat> oh, at this point, she didn't even tell them. Like, they don't know that they're drowned. They just, she just said it was hijacked and they yes, took it. Yes, yes. So they think there's, like, they They're bring looking out for the car. Highway patrol. They have <laughs> helicopters. They, like, are looking for, these are, like, beautiful little kids. <clears throat> they're looking for this kids and they're hoping that they will just find this guy who stole her shitty Mazda protege. <laughs> okay. Three hours later, nothing. Not not a Mazda protege, not a kid, not an abandoned car, not no car seats on the side of the road, nothing. So they decided, well, we're taking over these people's house. Let's go ahead and move like our headquarters back to, um, they go to the parents' house. And it's like the next day by now. People from work come to see her. Friends come to see her. Friends of the family come to see her. They're coming to check on um, all, everybody. Everybody she knows, except for who? Tom. Oh, Tommy boy. He didn't Where's worry Tom? About it. Tommy is nowhere to be found. <clears throat> he finally calls her about a day or so afterwards, and he offered his condolences. But guess what she brought up? Oh, my gosh, the letter. Their relationship. And he was like, hold up. This is not the time to be worried about <laughs> us. You need to be worried about your boys. 
and just was like, I'm sorry for what happened. And, you know, just hung yeah. up on her. Yeah. But that's all she could think about. That's all she could think that's about. All that she could think about. Now she's it's really messing with her now. Coworkers are coming back over and she's asking the coworkers, Where's Tom? Did Tom say he was coming to see me? And they were like, Nope, Tom ain't mentioned anything. Tom about ain't you. said nothing about you. Nothing at all. Tom still thinks you're white trash. <laughs> and a hoe for show. <clears throat> By day two, FBI was involved. Day two. Wow, yeah. that's pretty quick. Jelani Day's mom no, still can't get FBI can't. to come in, Nuh-uh. but day two. And they started noticing inconsistencies in her stories. Hmm. So the light that she said she was at on the street isn't a typical like red light, green light, yellow light. It's always green. Unless there's cars coming from the other intersection, and so then it'll be red so that those cars can go. Uh-huh. I don't know what those car lights, types of cars are like, are called. I don't know what those types of lights are called, but they knew, the police knew that this is the type of light that was there. Yeah. Because they asked her, were there what? anybody else around? And she says, no, there was nobody. I was the only one at all it was four four lights. I was the only one at all four of these lights uh-huh. at this busy ass intersection. So they knew she was the lion. So when they com- confronted her about that, she says, "Oh wait, I was mistaken. It wasn't that intersection. It was another one that doesn't have a light that changes." Oh, okay, <laughs> whichever one is just not that yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they were trying to question her, and. Then she would break down, put her hand, uh-uh. ha- face in her hands, and Real start fake. crying to avoid questioning. Of course. But then there were no tears. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. no tears. No. And so I remember being young. My little brother was just born, and my mom was watching it on the news. And I remember vividly, she was like, oh, she did it. Because they always interview the parents, Right. And the dad is there looking so sad, so solemn. And she's got like this hillbilly, cracky voice, no emotion. She's like trying to fake emotion. Mom was like, she did it. She did it. She did it. And then turns out, and I was like, mom, what? No. Like, yeah, she did it. And then it turns out she did it. Mama knew. Mom, mama knew. Um, But people around the world knew. Like her interview was just. It was bad as Chris Watts' interview. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> so they interviewed Tom for some reason. I don't know if Tom volunteers or if they're just interviewing all their 45 men in her life. But they interview Tom, and Tom shows them the letter. So I'm like, Tom, did you have a copy of the letter? Because he wrote it. Yeah. Did he, did he write two copies? Did he make a copy of it? Like, this is just That's weird little, to me that yeah. he has a copy of the letter. But So he shows them a copy of the letter. Unless he's shown on the letter she wrote him. They see on the letter what he says about the kids. So when they question her again, they ask her, could your breakup with Tom have anything to do with your kids? And she says, no man will ever make me hurt my kids they were my whole world what did you notice were were 
past tense. And so did the cops. <gasps> Why is she referring to her oh. kids in the past tense? Mm-hmm. So they stopped looking for a black man finally. Finally. And they narrowed their investigation to her, but then also David, because David hasn't been ruled out yeah. yet. And they make that announcement. And of course, there's a lot of like racial like tension now going on everywhere yeah. because that community used this as an excuse to tell their kids not to trust <laughs> And all black men were suspects at this time. Oh, my God. Uh, so now Susan's officially a suspect. And early November, Susan fell. So now it's early, like, November. And so as a little bit has gone by, Susan felt shame. And she was depressed. And they were closing in on her, closing in on her, closing in on her. Well, David was pissed that they were closing in on her because he could not even fathom the thought of her doing that. Remember, she was a great mom. They co-parented well together. And so that kind of made him look suspicious because he was trying to get them off of her. So then they were like, well, was he involved? Oh, my gosh. He wasn't. Um, Sheriff Wells, which was a friend of the family, a friend of Susan's, asked, called Susan up, and asked her to meet him at a nearby church. Mm-hmm. And so she had been talking to the FBI, and she oh. felt um, safer with Wells. Said take a break. She felt safer with Wells, and this is what happened at the church after this break. Now, a word from our sponsors. Okay, so when he got her in the church, he sat like her down in a chair and he sat directly in front of her, staring at her in the eye. She had knew, she later says she had knew that he knew. So she looked at him and she says, will you pray with me? (laughs) Will you pray for me? No. And so he grabbed her hands and he asked Jesus to reveal the truth about what happened at the church. What happened with the kids? And she starts crying and crying and crying. And she told him that her kids were not okay. And she confessed to murdering in detail her two sons. Oh, dang. Um, they immediately were wanted to recover the car. And she was like, yes, go rescue my kids. They can't be. A, okay. They can't be rescued. No. They wanted to get the car and get the kids before, like, this got word to media and me. They wanted to tell David before anybody else did. Mm-hmm. Because now they know David had any, nothing to do with it. It took them just only a couple hours. Divers found the car 18 feet under the water. <clears throat> they said that on one of the windows, 
one of the little kids' palms, like hands, was like pressed up against the glass. Oh, no. The car was upside down, so they were hanging like from their seat belts. They were still buckled up perfectly, but they were just like hanging, floating, because the car was like nose down. And they got him out, and they David was able to um, know what happened to his kids, see his kids, but then able to bury them. So they had a funeral on November 6th. They were both in a beautiful white casket together, Oprah Winfrey and Bill Clinton. A couple other like famous people sent flowers and a card and can offer their condolences to David. Susan was not allowed to go to the funeral, as she shouldn't be. Mm. She had to mourn in her mourn her kids from her jail cell. Good. Yay. So oh my gosh. Here comes the trial. Now, David has been in Susan's corner this whole time until now. Yeah. Now he, like, wants blood, as he should. So they had the trial. Only took the jury two hours to deliberate. Mm -hmm. It was unanimous. Susan was guilty. Now, there was a trial because her lawyers tried to say that it wasn't malicious intent. That it was like manslaughter and not murder. That she wanted to kill herself, but because she was depressed, but because of our animal right to survive, our animal instinct to survive, she only killed the kids. But she didn't really have malicious intent to do it. So it didn't work because, okay, good, you know. So she was... There was malicious intent. She did murder them. So now we have to figure out, like, her sentencing. Does she get the death penalty or does she get life in prison? What do you think she should get? Um, I think she should get the death penalty. You think she should get the death penalty. And so did a lot of people, including David. Yeah. So the sentencing phase, which I know you've watched a lot of court cases, but this is a lot when the character part like there's a lot of character witnesses and they're trying to like get some sympathy out of the jurors before maybe they'll go easy on them well tom actually testified on her behalf i don't know why he keeps injecting himself in this i guess it is about him but he testified on her behalf saying that what a great person she was how loving she was you know i forget all that stuff i wrote in the letter about you um but then said that this could be because she was molested her whole life by her stepdad oh the cameras caught (gasps) this and now people are like what What? she's a trauma victim she's been you know sexually assaulted her whole life and then people start to feel a little bit sorry for her oh no and then beverly stepdaddy side piece beverly gets on the stand oh gosh and he Falls and he begs for their uh, 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 empathy, I guess, for Susan. He says that he should get some of the punishment because it is his fault that probably had not he done what he did when she was little and carried it on that those kids may still be alive. So they wanted, he wanted the jury to not give Susan full blame Mm. to blame 
him yeah. as well, which honorable of him. And remember, he is a Republican part politician there, like a big person in the city. So there's nothing else for him to do but like save face, really try to do yeah. make it a little bit better. So he gets on there and he does that. And David, on the other hand, is like, kill, kill her. Yeah, get her. She killed my kids. She needs to be dead. Well, the jury did not give her death. They gave her life. But not because they didn't want to kill her. They sentenced her to a lifetime of punishment and said that she deserved to sit behind bars and live with the agony of what she did to her children. Yeah, I like it too. Susan wanted to die. She Because oh, at yeah, that time it was like electric chair or lethal injection. And she said she didn't even care. She just wanted to die. And so they thought it would be the easy way out. Yeah. Um, so she's still in jail. David has struggled still with the grief and the tragedy of like the death of his kids. And on the 10th anniversary of their death, he had a gun to his head. He was on his knees at his home about to pull the trigger, but something stopped him. And in 2003, he found love again, got remarried and had two more children but he still has pictures and he tells his new children about Michael and Alexander and he has oh. a picture up in their dining room. So every time they eat dinner, they're eating dinner with Michael and Alexander. It's so sad. Oh my gosh. Um, but Susan Smith also keeps a photo of her boys in her cell. Okay. Well, yeah. That's nice. Here we go. She doesn't socialize with the other inmates much. I'm sure it's real dangerous for her too. Because apparently she's socializing with the guards, but she is still screwing. <laughs> she is still <laughs> being a hope for show <laughs> she had multiple i think it was two different sexual affairs with the prison guards and like they got fired and got their pension <laughs> taken away oh, when she's ruining everybody's every, life she, oh, everybody's life she turned to drugs and she's in gotten in trouble, yeah, for, oh, people get things smuggled in all the time. It amazes me. So she's had mul multiple um, offense, like drug offenses. Um, <laughs> but she's got plenty of money on her books. She's got fans, people that are obsessed with her that put money on her books. So she's like the queen of commissary. And, like, that's how she does, if she does have some people that she shows, socializes with, she bribes them with, like, commissary type stuff. What? Yeah. Her mom still, her fam. she has family that didn't want her to die, and so they still go and visit her and stuff, which, you know, a mom's just, I guess, going to always be there unless you're Susan Smith, and you're going to be at the bottom of a lake. Uh, isn't she up for parole in 2024? Is she? She is. I know that she was supposed to be up for parole like immediately after she got in jail, like within a couple of years. Um, but I but don't, I don't know what, what that... the most recent one was. Yeah, I think it's 2024. But I don't know how that works. I mean, are you eligible? Like, what's her 
punishment. I think you go before people, but you know, David could come and like testify against oh, her. It says uh, she's eligible for parole. This is in People, and it said that in 2024. And she's told her long-distance boyfriend in letters that she wants to marry him if she's freed from jail. Oh, God. So even men have that same disease that we do, that women do. You know, like we were falling in love with Ted Bundy, you know? Yeah. So I guess men do it, too, because she's got fans. And I guess she's got a boyfriend. Oh, my gosh. And he has kids, and she wants to be a stepmother. (laughs) Oh, no. I can't deal. I can't deal. Um, (sighs) She was actually diagnosed with some type of like attachment disorder where she couldn't be alone, but who cares really? Yeah. Who cares? What do you think? Did you feel sorry for her a little bit? No, never. Oh, I did read that a couple years after the, at that John D. Long Lake, that ramp, Mm -hmm. there was a, which I don't know how there's a car wreck at a ramp, boat ramp, but seven people died in that same spot in a car. But they called it a car wreck, which sounds like murder suicide. Sounds like it. But now they've closed it down. So you can no longer swim in that lake. You can't put a boat off over there. You can't do anything. People just go and pay their respects to (gasps) the little boys and to those seven other people that just... Died. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I don't feel sorry for her, and I think she needs to stay in jail. Stay in jail. Stay lonely. Yeah. Um, you don't deserve it. Mm-mm. No. Not you can just do that. You can watch that car go in there and just stand there and just watch it. Like, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Take them to a fire department. I don't know. Take them for, to a fire department. Or don't have kids. Well, if you're such a hoe, I mean, you can't. <laughs> she had to get her hoe in. Oh, my goodness, y'all. That was a good one. Story number two, crazy mommy. Crazy yeah. mommy, crazy mommy. I don't know what we're doing next. No idea. Nope. No idea. Uh, but just brace yourself because it's going to be a little bit of sadness. We'll just try to make you laugh in between, you know, at random odd inappropriate times just like we always do yeah you're welcome i'll let you know if i have any more letters i would decide to write yeah we'll see if this and then you said his name so people who know ross are going to be like listen to this episode (laughs) (laughs) do you know this girl (laughs) i love it i love it i love it okay y'all don't forget to stay aware stay alive always be dts see y'all next week don't forget Rate, review, and subscribe. Bye, y'all. Peace out. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.